ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. It is Tuesday, January 3rd, a belated Happy New Year to you. Welcome back. I'm your host, Paul Swan. It is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Here until 6 o'clock this evening, we'll get your text in 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. That's our number to be part of today's program. We have to start with what we saw yesterday. If you were watching, I was doing a little bit of both. I was listening to the game and following along on TV, the the Bengals and the Bills. It was supposed to be this super showcase for the NFL, two of the best teams in the AFC, about ready to go at it. They got started. The Bengals came out hot. It was going to be one of those games where we're all excited. I think more people probably tuned into this Monday night game than most Monday night games this season just because the the actual value of this game, the magnitude of it, it was huge. It was going to determine a lot of things. Could the Bengals still be in the hunt for a number one seed? Would the Bills still be in the hunt for a number one seed? And then we we saw the we saw the hit. DeMar Hamlin tackling, hitting T. Higgins. And then if you were watching the game, you saw him get up. It looked like a it just looked like a football play. And you saw him get up and then he collapsed. And then the most surreal thing that we ever seen on a football field. I can't remember anything coming close to seeing a, a football player collapse like that and then needing CPR. And you get to see the emotion of the players' faces, both teams. You can see the emotion of the crowd. And what was this electric playoff atmosphere all of a sudden became subdued and somber and silent. And it took a while, but finally – the game got called, and DeMar Hamlin was finally able to be taken off the field. It it, it was a, a long process. If you're listening to the radio side, if you're watching Monday Night Football, you have, you have a lot of people who were just talking about what we knew. Thankfully, you had some strong, strong personalities and professionals on the broadcast crew to be put in such a position because that's not what we wanted to see. We didn't want anything like that to ever happen. And so now today we're we're more attuned to player welfare, player safety, the hazards of playing the game. He's still in critical condition. There are no new updates. And right now, still critical condition. The NFL is monitoring this. The game won't be resuming this week. They're isn't a clear-cut plan at this moment to what will happen with this game. The upcoming schedule will remain. So the Bengals have got to play Baltimore next. Don't know if this game's going to be made up, how it's going to be made up. So we're kind of waiting and seeing right now what happens there. But I think more importantly, we are all concerned about DeMar Hamlin. It's, it's, I was just sitting there watching it. For a while, I couldn't go to sleep because I wanted to know if there would be any update on, on his health, but just to be watching the game or imagine being in the crowd watching the game and not really know what's going on. And, of course, you know, social media. If you got on social media, you're trying to follow along what's going on there. You know, if uh, you could get maybe glean a little bit of information from some of the, uh, the reporters that were on the ground covering this event, trying to find updates, what was going to happen, 
You know, I, I'm monitoring, you know, my email account, you know, seeing what updates I'm getting from the NFL on this or the Cincinnati Bengals, trying to, to follow along here. But I, I think for the most part, you know, we all stopped yesterday. If you were watching the game, we all stopped and realized you know, there's a lot more going on in life than what this game is about. And I, I wish the... I wish the game would have been called sooner. I know there are some who want to say, you know, the league needed to get all the information possible, but you had a player that needed CPR on the field. I, I don't think anyone can get ready for a game after that. I, I don't think you can just turn that off and go play a game. And something that hopefully I've stayed true to is, at the end of the day, this is a game. This has always been a game. Football, basketball, these, these, are, these are young men playing a game that we all enjoy. And it's become pretty lucrative. There's a lot of money to be played. That's why we, we put so much into this. There's a lot of money to be made here. People watching it, now gambling on it, betting on it, even, you know, even more so. People want to be associated with the brands. A lot of money to be here. And I don't think any of that mattered yesterday. And hopefully it gives us a, a new shift of perspective about this, and we're still praying for Demar Hamlin. His his foundation, he's got a, a a drive going on right now, and it had a nice little modest amount of money that people had given to it. It's in the millions now because people are trying to find a way to you know, react, show support, compassion, and you got to feel bad for not only the Bills, you got to feel bad for T. Higgins, you got to feel bad for the Cincinnati Bengals, but primarily this is a situation where I've never seen a football player have a cardiac arrest live on television. I don't think I've ever seen someone have a cardiac arrest live on television. You know, maybe maybe in news reports after the fact, you know, maybe in television drama. I, I don't know if I've ever seen someone get up from a, a football play Stand up and then collapse and have a cardiac arrest. I don't think anyone has ever seen that. And I don't know if I want to see that ever again, to be quite honest with you. Once was enough, and I'm grateful that, that the network did not keep showing it, did not go back to it, trying to analyze it. And I'm grateful for that because it's something I don't want to ever see again. I don't want to see that happen to another football player ever again. And, I, of course, yeah, you know, when you go out on the football field, things can happen. We know this. We understand this. You go out there, you put your body on the line every time to play a collision sport here. Injuries do happen. doesn't matter the sport. But we're talking about a violent collision sport here in football. And so we understand there is some risk. But I think we now see it's real. We understand to a greater degree of what that risk really is for this game. But hopefully he's going to be okay. No updates at this time. We're not going to probably hear anything for a while on this. And we're going to keep an ear and eye on this ourselves just because this is, uh, this is something that you know, I think we're all praying for right now. We all want to make sure that uh, you know, he, he's, he, he can he respond he can resume normal activities. We, we want to make sure he's okay. Yeah, I, I don't know how you were feeling, but you know, I was up for a while last night. Like, okay, hopefully something comes out. And, and then when the, uh, the reporters on the ground basically said that the, you know, the hospital didn't anticipate any, any news releases tonight, um, you know, I, went to, you know, I went to bed finally, tried to go to bed anyway, you know, hoping that, okay, I'll wake up and, and there'll be some good news here. 
and most of the conversation has been on, thankfully, you know, his health, his safety, his well-being, the players' health, not just his, the mental health and well-being of, of the players involved, the coaches. I mean, that's that's something that I, I don't know how, how to respond to because I've never been through that. I've never been standing next to someone who I've probably spent more time with than my family because I mean, – these bonds are, are, are strong with between players and support staff. I mean, you're spending more time with, with the team and the guys and everyone than your family probably. And you see someone that you have a, a strong bond with just all of a sudden just drop. Yeah, I, I don't know how I don't know how any of them were able to, to deal with that on the spot because it, we've seen injuries before. We've seen players get injured. You hate that. You feel bad for them. But – most of the time, they're okay. Maybe they're going to be out for several months. It's it's one of those type of injuries. It's going to keep you out for several months. Or you know, now we're a little bit more attuned to concussions. And this is a new one for us, even. Watching a player suffer a cardiac arrest, have to have CPR administrated to them. And we're all watching, wondering. And I don't know where the communication meltdown began with the NFL because I'm sitting there, and I hear the, okay, they're going to get five minutes to warm up and then play this game. And I'm like, well, wait, how do, you, how do you just turn that back on? How do you turn that back on? Like, okay, five minutes. And, you know, the league later basically said, no, no, we don't know where that came from. And I appreciate the leadership that the, that the players and the coaching staff and, and the organizations exhibited. I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that they understood – Hey, look, this game doesn't mean anything right now. It doesn't, doesn't have a single bit of relevance here. And I don't care that, okay, this game would have determined maybe you know, the AFC North. This game might help determine the number one seed. A lot of things happening involving this game and the football side of this. But you know, what we do know is the young man had a cardiac arrest. There are new, new updates. It's in critical condition, and the game won't resume this week. And I'm happy to see all the – positive outpouring of support for him and hopefully that will continue and this won't go away this will not be something that we forget about three months from now six months from now because we we should realize these these athletes they're going out there they're putting their bodies on their line for our entertainment for a game a game now the whole reason i have a a platform here is because i talk about games i talk about what we all enjoy I mean, we're all here today because, you know, this is something that we we have a passion for. We enjoy. You know, we enjoy the the spectacle. We enjoy the sport. We enjoy uh, the, the storylines. We we enjoy it all. We're big fans of it. And so we should realize that you know, at the end of the day, it's still a game. These are these are men, women putting themselves out there for our entertainment. And I hope that we continue to improve how we take care of the student athletes at universities or high schools or the professional athlete. Yeah, they're getting paid a lot of money. A lot of them are getting paid a lot of money. Not all of them, but they're putting themselves out there. And there are a lot of other sports that are gaining in popularity that aren't as contact heavy. I mean, keep that in mind. You know, will parents of tomorrow see this and go, I'm not putting my, my son or my daughter out there for something like that. Will that happen? And I mean, that's a fair question to ask, but yeah, this is, uh, this is something that honestly talking about it today. Yeah. This is, I, how do you, I don't know how to talk about this. 
I don't know how to talk about this because you don't prepare for something like this. This is this you know we don't have a chapter in in the broadcasting book to talk about this. You know we don't have that playbook. We don't have that text. How how do you deal with this situation? Because this is not a situation that we have had to deal with. We'll get your text in 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Uh, we've got some other items I want to get into with you today. As, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get back into the swing of things. Uh, some of you had uh, commented uh, under the weather, yes, uh, I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to get over it eventually, but I appreciate everyone who has uh, sent me a nice little message or note. Hoping I feel better. Uh, back here today, getting your text in, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. More coming up on this edition of The Drive at ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Our text line is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. One of the things that had been transpiring over the last couple of days, we're going to have a new baseball coach for the Thundering Herd. That announcement will be made formally. I'm expecting after the Board of Governors meeting at 9 a.m. on Thursday, the official presser is going to be Friday at 4 p.m. We're going to try to be there. Either with the show or I'm going to try to be there and then get back here for the show. Either way, we've got the presser coming up on Friday. And according to all reports that have surfaced on the Internet, including uh, the man himself changing his Twitter profile, uh, longtime Ohio State head coach Greg Beals is going to be the next coach. He was slated to be Akron's baseball coach. So he's, he's out of a job at Ohio State, ends up at Akron, and before even coaching a single game at Akron, he's going to be the new head coach for the Thundering Herd. So 9 a.m. Thursday, the uh, Board of Governors meeting. Friday, an event to welcome him. So I'm interested to see what the vision here is. And honestly, leaving before you even coach a game, it's not unheard of. It's happened before. But that's why we have this transfer portal now. Because coaches can come and go, and if coaches can come and go, players can come and go. And if you are, if you're okay, sometimes with coaches coming and going, you should be okay with players being able to come and go. The whole, there's no more loyalty. There is, there's loyalty to oneself. But we got a, a new coach coming, and you got a year without a baseball stadium, and then the following year you're going to have a a new facility if everything sticks with the timetable. Just interesting to me how. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'm absolutely curious how it went down. Going from, okay, you're the coach at Akron, and you haven't even coached a game yet, and now you're going to be brought in as the coach of the Thundering Herd. So what happened at Akron? What was the sales pitch that brought him to Marshall? What was it about Akron that just wasn't ringing true and made you want to make this leap? Because you're going in to a season without facilities for one. You don't have that brand-new facility just yet. I mean, it's on the horizon, but it's not here yet. And I think over the years, we've all grown a little suspicious, a little, I'll believe it when I see it. So once they build it, we'll we'll believe it. But until then, you're coming to a Marshall baseball program that it's going to be probably difficult to get things ramped up. Hopefully it won't be. But I'm interested to see what the backstory is on this. But the, that uh, that's what came out earlier in the week that Greg Beals is going to be the new head baseball coach 
Marshall and the whole haven't coached a game yet at Akron and now making the switch. So I'm curious. I want to hear the story on that. What what was it? What was it about Akron that made you want to leave? And what was it about Marshall that made this the place to be? So I'm interested in that story. Hopefully we'll we'll get a we'll get a good story out of that. We'll take your text. Paul Swan, your host. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Our text line this hour, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. I want to leave some time. We've got Tony Kemper's comments. The herd goes on the road over the weekend, wins its first two matches in Sunbelt play, coming back home for two this week. The men are on the road for one, and then there's going to be a doubleheader on Saturday. And Tony Kemper is going to be with us, I believe, tomorrow to talk a little bit more about the matches in detail. But we've got his comments from his presser earlier today. We'll get to that. We'll get your text in, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. All that's coming up on this edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. While we were all at the Marshall game on Saturday, we're, I think most of us were following along, trying to keep an eye on the women. They were on the road, taking on App State. And the Herd went on the road and won two to start off 2-0 and in Sunbelt play. So congratulations to head coach Tony Kemper. For getting that done. Welcome back to The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. So the Herd's home this week. Got a big one, including James Madison. That's going to be a, a really tough contest. That's a good basketball program, both on the men's and women's side. And so Thundering Herd will be home for two Thursday, and then Saturday is going to be a doubleheader on Saturday. So if you have a chance, come out and support the women before the men's game. Had a chance to hop on the Zoom with Coach Kemper earlier today just to, to get a feel for the game. And the one thing that I think that was pretty firm was, yes, the Herd's 2-0, and but Coach Kemper realizes, even though they're 2-0 and in league play, that it, it's super early. We understand it's super early. Um, but it's also good to be 2-0 and and 2-0 and from, from a road perspective. So um, had some good individual performances. Te- team defense both games was good. Um, didn't give up. Pretty stingy. Uh, I think the second night at Appalachian State, that's a team that really scores well at home. So to hold them to, to uh, 52, I think, at home, I was really proud of that. Um, Rose Scott was really big in both games. Hit a, hit a very tough... Um, fadeaway jumper to, to win the South Alabama game. And then she had a tremendous second half at, at Appalachian State to help get us over the hump there. Uh, Mo Matthews really good. I think 14 points, 15 rebounds at Appalachian State. And not on the scoreboard, uh, guarded a guard. And her ability to move around defensively really helps us. So Not losing the fact that they're 2-0. and they, They're happy to 2-0, and but they got a lot of work ahead of them. And, of course, Coach Kemper went on to talk about this week's games and, and highlighting the fact that it's going to be a tough one, especially with James Madison. Shift to two really good teams here at home. Um, James Madison, if you look at metrics of our league, they're, they're the top team in the net and things like that. I think they've won nine in a row or something close to that as a team. So obviously they're playing really well. 
it's a traditional power in women's basketball. So great to have an opportunity um, this early in the season to play a game that means something here at home. So, um, and then Georgia Southern, they're they're a challenge in that they they're like the second best scoring team in the country. Uh, they play very fast. They hit you with a bunch of different presses and defensive looks. And so we'll have to be really good on a short flip on Friday for that Georgia Southern um, doubleheader with the men um, for Saturday. Of course, if you're going to the men's game, once you go a little early and get set for the women's game as well. So would that be something? You have a, a nice crowd on hand for the women on Saturday before the men's game. I think that would really set the tone for that game and send a message to the rest of the Sun Belt that it's tough to come into Huntington, men's or women's basketball. Now, the Herd's been successful as of late. Got a pretty good record. They're on a nice little win streak. They're able to get two wins on the road. That's very hard. Doesn't matter what league you're in. That's very hard to do. Go on the road and get a couple. So, Coach Kemper today talked about what stands out to him as far as how his team's playing and, and where, he's, uh, where he's getting those performances from. I think the thing that stands out is they've just found a way. And it, I think we've won four in a row, and it started with at home against um, St. Bonaventure. And we played a lot of that game not very well. And, you know, we struggled, and it was a slog. And at some point in time, we just kind of flipped, and we, we got enough stops in a row and, and put good offense with it um, to win that game. And then uh, you, they've just kind of, I think they've discovered ways to win in different fashions. And, but they're, I think in all the games, I'm starting to see at times where they can kind of go, all right, let's center ourselves and, and find a way through this, this mess, which that's basketball. You know, I mean, James Madison is going to have some really good stretches of basketball on Thursday. And for, you, you have to develop a team that can weather those storms and figure out a way to counterpunch. And this group has really done a good job of that, I think, especially over the last probably six, seven games, honestly. And finally, from Coach Kemper today, I was curious, how how do you keep this team grounded? You go on the road, you get those two victories, your first Sun Belt matches on the road, you get two wins, you're feeling pretty good about yourself, you even have the ice cream. You saw it on social media, they had the ceremonial ice cream. He loves the ice cream. And so now you come back, it's going to be a different atmosphere. You know, how, do you, how do you keep that energy? How do you keep that tenacity? How do you appreciate that you're home, it's different, and how do you stay grounded? Coach Kemper talked about that. We have to be excited to play and also grounded in the challenge that sits before us, which is you know, what looks like one of the best teams in the league on Thursday night. So um, you have to have the excitement. Um, but I think that's going to come from both teams, right? I think they're going to be excited as well. So um, we have to understand the things that we feel like are important for us to play well and feel good at the end of it. Um, they have to bring the excitement to play. Uh, but I know they will do that. It's got to translate into are we doing the things that we want to do against James Madison. And you're, you're also playing a team that can counter really well. So if we might be able to do X, you know, one, two, and three on our list, and they have multiple things that they can go to after that, players and probably schemes as well. So it, uh, we've got to be calm um, and also understand that it's, it's good to be, after two games of conference play, nine and four, with a 12 and two team coming in here, um, opportunities like that, uh, we are trying to grow that in our program, you know. There's, when you look at the banners, 
There's not a lot out there for women's basketball over the years. So we, have, I think, steadily have grown into more games like this, but it's an important game early in the year. Tony Kemper on the homecoming for the squad, the homestand, if you will. Should be a fun one this week. Marshall James Madison, Thursday, Saturday, you got the doubleheader. Looking forward to it. And, of course, the men are at home on Saturday on the road on Thursday. We've got those games here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. When we continue, we'll get your text in 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. few more items to talk to you about today as we progress on with today's edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's our final segment of today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Our text line this hour, 304 304- 396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Interesting day today in sports. Uh, We are learning that there's going to be a new baseball coach uh, plucked away from Akron for the Thundering Herd. It's going to be a huge, early, big matchup for the Marshall women's basketball team this week. And, of course, we've been following along with um, the condition of DeMar Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills. no new updates as of yet. I, I am reading that there are a lot of fans that are gathered outside the hospital. There's going to be a, a candlelight vigil tonight, about 8.55, around the time he was injured yesterday, or he uh, he collapsed. So there's going to be a candlelight vigil for those who are in Cincinnati. There's still a lot of Bills fans that are, are in the area, and uh, they are um, – Sticking around, trying to um, uplift Hamlin. Hopefully, we'll find out sooner than later that he's going to be okay. So that's what we're all hoping for. Uh, other news today, and, and something we're going to, I'm sure, get into a lot more as we go on. Uh, there is a proposal. NCAA group is proposing a 90-team hoops tournament. So March Madness is really going to get mad with 90 teams. And the Transformation Committee, uh, Greg Sankey, co-chair, Talking about increasing championships, 25% more participation because teams want in. So let me get this straight. We're going to start artificially increasing the numbers here to to allow more in championship events. I don't think this is a good idea for many sports. For example, for March Madness, already expanded it. We've got the play-in game. Now, part of the reason why you had to expand this was because if you're in a, I don't want to say a smaller league, or I don't want to even use the term power because power five does not exist in basketball. That is a football thing because there are are a lot of conferences that do not have football components that do just fine. So we want to jump this thing to 90 teams. We got too many as it is. There's no sense in this. So what, we're going to take the 8th, ninth, and 10th team out of the Big Ten? We're going to take the 7th or 8th team out of the ACC? The ninth team out of the ACC? Pac-12, we're going to take more there? What are we going to do? We're just going to take more of those marginal teams? I, I don't like this. And now, would the lower division, the mid-majors, like, yes, there's the term, mid-majors. Would the mid-majors benefit from this? I 
I don't think so. I think you want to have the very best teams get in this thing. You don't want to have it to the point where you water it down. I, I don't want a watered-down basketball tournament. The whole idea is you got to be good enough to get in. In college football, I think there is a need to expand. In college basketball, let's not mess this thing up. We already touched it with the first four. And that's a nice little event. goes on in Dayton. Sure, okay, we do that event. But I don't like the inflation that we have seen. There are more bowl games now than ever. And the bowls don't mean anything to me because here we are. The early on, the, the Myrtle Beach Bowl was an exception because herd fans live in, in the Myrtle Beach area. So it was just a quick walk over, just about. You see these crowds, and you, these are made for TV events. This is what this is. This is TV programming, these bowl games. That's it, television programming. And I just, there's no value to me for me anymore for these bowl games. There's no value. There are too many of them. I'm sorry. Sunbelt got seven bowl teams. That was great. Sunbelt went three and four. Not so great. I think you got to earn it. I don't think six and six does it. I'm sorry. I don't think six and six does it. I mean, does seven and five do it? I know what's the difference between six and six and seven and five. Well, it's one game, but I think there's got to be some value to this here. It's not going to go away. It's absolutely not going to go away. And of course, we like the games that have meaning. The New Year's Six games have more meaning. The games uh, are on the higher echelon have more meaning. Now, granted, kids get to take a trip, but, I mean, even some of the destinations are not that attractive. I mean, who wants to go to Idaho in, in December to play a football game? Raise your hand. Go ahead. Raise your hand. Let's go to Idaho. Let's go to Fenway Park and play a football game. Yeah, that's exciting. Now, if it's an outdoor hockey game, that's another story altogether because it's it's made for it's it's made for that's the point of it we're going to go watch a hockey game and freeze because that's the charm of it football game uh, i don't know get my point here not not excited about a lot of these bowl matchups this year and so now we want to jack up the ncaa tournament so we can get some really terrible first round matchups i think you got to earn it i think you have to you have to earn it it needs to have a cutoff okay We've pushed it out a little bit. We got the first four. I mean, this is a terrible idea. 90? Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? 90. We want 90 teams in. No, we don't. We do not want 90 teams in. 304-396-TALK. 304-396-8255. I think that's just too many. I don't think the quality of the basketball is good. I'm not excited. I'm not excited to fill out a 90-team bracket with teams that you've never heard of coming in for their one and done here you go here's your participation trophy no i think we need to to be honest with ourselves and the great thing is we have the automatic qualifiers the conferences that have an automatic bid now however those leagues want to hand those out that's fine with me you want to do it with the tournament instead of the regular season champion that's fine you do you but i think we need to seriously examine which teams are getting in which teams are which teams are getting in on name or loan and which teams deserve to be there and, and improve that process instead of, you know what, here's how we fix this. Let's just, let's merge the NIT here. Let's just merge the NIT. And what are we going to do with the NIT? How watered down that will be if that still stays around. If you make this thing 90, you push this thing to 90 teams, and then you've got all these other tournaments 
It's like bowls. It's it's more of a statement of how bad your program really is if you don't get in a bowl this time. It's not that you made a bowl. It's, okay, here's how bad you are. You didn't get into a bowl game. That's how bad your program is. There's so many bowls and so many ways. I mean, you can't get the six wins and qualify. You can't win half your games because that's that's the, the bottom threshold now. You win half your games, you get in. It's not exciting to me. I, I would love to see more teams, say, from the Sun Belt get in. But I also would like to see the basketball quality improve. That's why I like the NFL playoffs because, man, it, it's hard to get into the NFL playoffs. And once you're there, it means something. Uh, finally today, Milo Yosef signing with FC Tulsa of the United Soccer League. So congratulations to him, United Soccer League, adding Milo Yosef. And that's going to do it for this edition. Back for the new year. Thanks for being a part of it. We will do it again with you tomorrow. And if you missed any part of today's show, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast in 2023. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.